Hey, the start of something special right here, man. Let's go. Number one fantasy player right here. Got past the line. Shut up. Know the rules. I just want to say this to you. Right now, best in the game. I know. Welcome into the Pod After Touchdown Fantasy Football Podcast. I am your host, Sam Hoppin, joined by my other co-host, Andrew Mackins, and our producer, Ryan Garner. Fellas, how are you doing on this lovely Tuesday night? I'm doing great. I'm so excited for this episode. We're talking wide receivers and rankings. I'm all about those rankings and I'm all about wide receivers. So let's go. Yeah, it will be another exciting episode for for some rankings debates. That's for sure. I hope you brought your your A game this time because I could, could use a little uh, competition. Yeah, I'm also ready for the format this time. I think we ran out of time in the past, so I'll be making sure I'm keeping uh, track of time better uh, this time around. I'm doing pretty good, too. I'm a little, I'm excited, but I'm a little weirded out right now because Sam called me by my first name, which I don't think he's done in like probably two years. Like he never uses my first name. People rarely do. Who's Ryan? That's a really good point. We gotta let the people know who you are, though. That that's the most important part because uh, all publicity is good publicity, right? And just to be clear for for all the folks at home, is it Garner or is it Garnther? Just Garner. No, well, depends. Social media, <laughs> social media. There's a th and everything, but real name, there's no th. Gotcha, okay. gotcha. Can't, can't make it too easy for everyone following you. <laughs> of course not. Uh, all right, so like Andrew mentioned, we have a loaded episode today. We're going to start with our kickoff question, then we're going to continue with our second mental health minute, and then we'll get deep into some wide receiver rankings debates. So with that, let's get this thing started. And this game is underway! All right, so for our kickoff question today, we're going to focus on wide receiver. And one of the big breakout wide receivers last year was Chris Godwin, who finished as a top five wide receiver in 2019. And the question is, which wide receiver do you think can have a Chris Godwin-like season in 2020? So a younger receiver that isn't necessarily considered the number one on his team, but could become a wide receiver in fantasy football. And Garner, I'll pass it to you first. All right. I don't know if this one's too much of a long shot now that I've heard you say this out loud, description this, but I'm going with Alan Lazard. I think that you know, he wasn't the flashiest last year, but the Packers didn't really add any new weapons. They're leaving that number two open to grab. And I mean, he showed flashes of potential last year and, I think that there's a very good chance that he could be the one that you're going to be able to grab for cheap and he's going to out earn everyone for that second wide receiver spot and be a solid flex at least for you. That's, that's a really great answer. I actually like that. I don't, I don't think he has quite the upside of a a wide receiver one, but for several, several years, the second wide receiver in green Bay was such a valuable fantasy asset, whether it was, Randall Cobb or some of those other guys and 
like you said, that, you know, Devin Funches is really the only competition they brought in, but he's not, he's not anyone that scares me. And Lazard's got a bit more uh, experience with, with Rodgers at under quarterback. Yeah, if Lazard makes the leap like to wide receiver one status, that is a spicy hot take. <laughs> Obviously, no one's drafting him that high, but you know we've been chasing that dragon for a while now. Maybe this is the year it hits. Yeah, so for my player, I'm going to go with Tyler Boyd, who has shown some wide receiver one upside in the past, and I think is the perfect candidate for this. Last year... Boyd finished among the top 10 wide receivers in both targets and receptions. And some may be worried about the return of AJ Green after missing all of last year to the foot injury. But you got to remember that Boyd was actually better with Green in the lineup. And, and granted, that was under a different regime uh, before Zach Taylor. But things are trending up for the Bengals offense. They They've added Joe Burrow, who will, will certainly help. In in college, he had a catchable throw percentage of 86% in his two seasons at LSU. Last year, Bengals quarterbacks combined for a catchable throw percentage of 69%. Nice. nice. Or not um, nice. <laughs> not nice for uh, Bengals receivers. So if Joe Burrow is even a slight upgrade over the combination of Dalton and Ryan Finley, then... I think Boyd's in for a major season. Yeah, I've got Boyd at wide receiver 18 in my rankings, so I feel the same way about him. And one of the things I've heard recently is he was one of the most productive wide receivers out of the slot last season. And I think that lends itself well to a rookie quarterback. So uh, I like that, the promise in that Bengals offense. But uh, a couple that came to mind for me, and and we're going to be – discussing a couple of these wide receivers or these wide receiver cores later. So uh, hopefully this doesn't hurt me too much. But uh, the first one that came to mind for me was Calvin Ridley. And I think it's particularly because we know Julio Jones eventually took over the wide receiver one role after like coming in as the wide receiver two behind Roddy White. And so I think once they drafted Calvin Ridley, we're everyone's thinking, well, eventually Calvin Ridley is going to surpass Julio but for how good Julio has been throughout his career, being an all-decade player, I think the question remains, when is that going to happen and by how much? So I, th- I think that that is a guy who could you know, definitely have, is the talent to have a third-year breakout. Um, but obviously Julio is still you know, maintaining that ex-receiver status. I was going to go with Ridley myself, but I uh, didn't want to give away too much of my strategy, that's a bit of a tease here. We'll be talking about Calvin Ridley here shortly. Okay, so with that, let's get into our Mental Health Minute. And to give everyone a quick reminder, last week we announced the start of our Fantasy Football Mental Health Initiative to help bring some awareness and fundraising to mental health since it is Mental Health Awareness Month, um, and we'll be continuing this throughout the offseason into, into the regular season, and one aspect of that is doing a Mental Health Minute every episode to just talk about something that is mental health related. Uh, doesn't necessarily need to cover sports, but today is going to be very relevant to the topic that we talk about, which is fantasy football, and 
the question I'm going to ask to the, the two of you, and I'll answer myself, is has there ever been a time in your life in which you've considered quitting playing fantasy football? Because, again, it can be frustrating. It can be annoying with some of the ways that it it turns out when you think you have a locked-in lineup and it doesn't go for, go well for you. So has there ever been a time for you? Uh, Garner, I'll pass this one to you first as well. 100% yes. Um, they, <laughs> I mean, I, I've definitely had like kind of depressing weeks here and there, but one that really got me last year was I'm playing against one of my great friends, and he started the season 0-5. He's starting to make a climb, but the week I'm playing him, his entire starting lineup, except for his kicker and defense, is on a bye week. Everybody. I had, I think, one guy on a bye and I still lost to him by 10 points. I had Jameis Winston, Todd Gurley, Chubb, Lockett, Sanders, I, and I, I don't think I cracked 70 points that week. It is tough, too, because the mentality of the friend that I was playing is he just uh, – he doesn't care as much about fantasy football, and so, like, it, He's a it doesn't – to put it – That, too. <laughs> but, like, it, it doesn't mean as much to him, so he's just like, I don't care what happens one way or another. He's like – but he'll rub it in if he's beating you. And if he's losing, he just doesn't care. So like wanting to win and try thinking that I put in all this effort and everything against someone who was just so lackluster about it. And I had the advantage and I still couldn't win. Just had me thinking when I'm watching the games, like this isn't fun. Why am I doing this? But by the next week talking to you guys, it, it got better and I'm, I'm happy I stuck with it and learned to take it a little bit lighter. Yeah, I'll, I'll follow up on that because as the two of you obviously know, I I actually dropped out of that league, which was uh, the league of record that we, we mentioned a couple times on the pod last season. And I just have a tendency to put too much pressure on myself, whether it's with fantasy football or life in general, and put so much pressure on myself to win a championship every year and and never did and ultimately not succeeding in that league ended up impacting my mood on Sundays to the point where I would just get grouchy and upset and I realized I just sort of needed a change to get back to actually enjoying watching football on Sundays, enjoying red zone and not being so caught up in the scores of fantasy football for that specific league. Now, obviously I'm in, in other leagues and I, I had to make the tough choice to leave that, even though uh, a bunch of my best friends, you guys included are, are in that league because I, I knew what was knew what, what it was doing to my, my mental state on, on Sunday afternoons. Andrew, what about you? Yeah, it's a, uh... Definitely tough for you, man, for having been in that league. I just want to say made the playoffs every single season, but couldn't win that championship. A terrible luck there. So I, I understand that stress, especially when you want it more than other people and you're competitive. Like, I, I totally understand that feeling, especially when seasons don't go your way. Um, and I've, I've struggled with that in, in terms of just the stress you put on yourself. I haven't ever considered actually quitting fantasy. I think it, what's become more of a problem for me is the way it, I've 
kind of solve that stress problem is by just doing more leagues. And then I have to debate, well, which ones do I want to cut out season to season? Um, Cause then you like kind of what you were saying, if you spread out or you have stock in multiple different players, you can, uh, you know, potentially be right in some places, even though you were wrong in others. Um, and it helps you just follow the, the league on, yeah. on the whole. And really right. fantasy is my way of following the NFL and maintaining an interest in it. So I, I, I fortunately haven't had to consider quitting altogether um, because of that competitive nature and, and wanting to take an interest in the NFL. Yeah, I think this is it's just a great reminder that fantasy football is a is just a game. Uh, we do it and we play it because we enjoy it. So it's just important to keep things in perspective if you are getting a bit too overheated by fantasy football. You know, do what you need to do to make sure that it's it's not becoming a major stressor in your life because because it shouldn't be that. Um, so why don't we move into the premier part of our podcast. It is our wide receiver rankings debates. So like we did last week, we're going to make this a bit of a debate club and we're going to go through six players today since we're not going to have listener questions at the end. And these are all players that we have ranked differently. And and I'll say we have them ranked drastically different. Uh, in the case of four of them, we have them ranked at least 10 spots apart. So going to be some interesting debates one way or the other. Um, so what we'll have is the player, excuse me, the person who has the player ranked higher will go first and have 60 seconds to make his case on why he should be ranked where it is, he is. And then the person who has the player ranked lower will then have 60 seconds to provide his rebuttal and our lovely producer Garner will be deciding who won that debate. And before we get into the debate, let me just say that this is such a deep wide receiver class. I think almost all of the wide receivers that we're going to talk about, I'd be comfortable having as my wide receiver one, even though they may be ranked as a wide receiver two and the best part is you can even pay wide receiver two prices for for some of these guys. And I think pretty much every wide receiver from like 15 through 35 is nearly interchangeable. And I wouldn't fault you for having any of them ranked at different points, except Andrew, where you have your guys ranked because they are terrible. Oh, sure. Great, great uh, stones that you're throwing before the debates even started. <laughs> All right. So with that, why don't we get into our first player? So Andrew teased him at the top of the episode and chose him as his Chris Godwin player for this year. And that's going to be Calvin Ridley. Uh, I've got him ranked inside my top 10 at nine overall. And Andrew's got him a bit further down at 17 ECR expert consensus ranking actually has him even further at 19 overall. So I am wildly ahead on him and Andrew and the experts seem to think otherwise. So without further ado, I'm going to make my case and then Andrew's going to give his rebuttal. All right. So 
this Falcons offense has a ton of opportunity for the taking with Mohamed Sanu, Devontae Freeman, and Austin Hooper's departures. They leave over 30% of the passing volume up for grabs. Atlanta threw the ball 685 times last year, which was the third highest mark we've seen since 2011. This is unlikely to be repeated, I'll admit, but this was Dirk Cutter's first year back with the Falcons as their offensive coordinator. And when he was their OC from 2012 to 2014, the Falcons ranked 7th, 1st, and 3rd in overall pass-to-rush rush ratio. In 2019, they were first in overall pass-to-rush ratio. Their wide receiver depth chart is very shallow behind Julio and Ridley. They bought in Laquan Treadwell because that's apparently someone you want to be throwing the ball to. And their secondary players like Hurston Gurley, who we don't even know is healthy, don't scare me. So I think Ridley's just got a chance to go off this year. Yeah, you bring us some good points there, Sam. And I think it's not a question of talent, but his opportunity. So going right against what you said, and particularly maybe not on the Atlanta offense, but versus the guys ahead of him in, on the my rankings. I think it's keeping you know Ridley and Julio in mind. If you have them both in the top 10, I'll be curious to see your QB rankings because that would make Matt Ryan probably a, like a locked-in top five quarterback for you, which I think is a less likely scenario than him being in like beyond or like lower than the top five. And for me, it comes down to those other guys ahead of him on the rankings are guys who are the unquestioned number one wide receiver and should see more targets in total than Ridley. And I would just rather have a quality number one wide receiver than a like a guy who, even though he's good, it ends up being the number two option on the team. And I don't think Julio's ready to cede that uh, number one spot just yet. I mean, he doesn't need to cede it, but he can get overtaken by Calvin Ridley. I don't think Mike Evans ceded his number one spot, but Chris Godwin went in there and just snatched it right from him. Yeah, this is, this is a tough one here because, I mean, my, my gut says to go with Mackins here and it, that again, putting him in Calvin Ridley in the top 10 does, just, it just seems ridiculous, especially you know, when you consider <laughs> just other non-Falcons in, ahead of him in the rankings. But, I mean, Sam made some great points. 30% of volume available, that's a lot. There's no one else but Julio to throw it to now. See, I disagree I with that, but I didn't, I didn't bring it up in my minute. But yeah, you, you only that. only because you mentioned Hurst and you mentioned Gurley and you just said you weren't scared by him. I I think that they are there. Like they replaced those spots, and Sanu was gone for mm-hmm. half of the season last year already. Anyway, I mean, it doesn't matter. Like they're they're still targets in the first half of the season that he's giving up and that Ridley could take he could take one of those a game and maybe he takes all of those for 80 yard touchdowns you never know <laughs> sure okay I mean it sounded like Garner was leaning towards you anyway so Garner what's the final verdict 
Yeah, um, if I could split up the one point that I'm giving out, I'd give Mackinson, but I'm going to give the full point to Sam here for his argument. All right. Yeah, no half points Start. in this gauntlet. Continuing right where I left off. Okay. Uh, our next receiver is one that Andrew has at eight overall, and that's Kenny Galladay, the wide receiver for the Detroit Lions. I've got him at 13th overall, which is not quite as far as a drop as our first subject. And ECR actually has him at 7th overall, so higher than the two of us. But Andrew, you've got him higher, so I'll give you the floor. Thanks, Sam. Uh, you know, last year, I actually pumped the brakes on Galladay a little bit. At first, I thought, you know, he's got that third-year breakout potential, just like Godwin ended up having. Um, and I thought a lot of that was just from, you know, baby Tron going to become Megatron hype. And so I pumped the brakes, but I was completely wrong. He proved to us that he can produce across three different quarterbacks. It actually, in that second half of the year where he didn't have Matt Stafford throwing to him, he still had a 16 game pace of 1100 yards and eight touchdowns. And we're going to assume health for Stafford in 2020. I think the Lions running game is still a really nebulous situation, but the passing game, Stafford throwing to Galladay and Jones, uh, really the in similar to the Falcons, the only like consistent, reliable targets on that offense. I think Galladay's just gonna keep getting fed more and more, and his efficiency uh deep down the field and in the red zone is gonna make him a top wide receiver. Okay, so you said he was able to produce across three quarterbacks and you, you expect to have Galladay as good of a season as he did last year, but most of his success was on him producing a league leading 11 receiving touchdowns. We know that touchdowns are the least predictable aspect of fantasy football. And there's even more reason to believe he won't repeat that. He did this on just 65 receptions and 116 targets, both of which were in the bottom six of the top 24 fantasy wide receivers. Plus, scoring 11 touchdowns on 65 catches gave him a 16.9 touchdown rate, which led all receivers with at least 35 receptions and was the 10th highest touchdown percentage among receivers over the past five seasons. So that's Surely to dip, he's never topped 70 receptions or even 120 targets in a single season. And I doubt he'll, I doubt he'll be able to do so while he continues to compete with, with Marvin Jones and the budding TJ Hawkinson. It'll be interesting to see how much Hawkinson takes away from him. And I know Marvin Jones is historically overlooked, but I think at some point he'll seed even more targets to Galladay because he's the unquestioned number one. Yeah, Marvin Jones is everyone's favorite late round wide receiver for the 13th year in a row. <laughs> no. Garner, let's, uh, let's get this verdict in. What do you say? I don't like being the judge here because, man, there are, some, <laughs> there, there are too many good points on both sides here. And I mean, I'm just going over them here and trying to make a quick verdict. I mean, overall, I'm going to give this one to Mackins. I, I do like that Sam point out that the, uh, like, touchdown touchdown efficiency was ridiculous. But when you pointed out like how 
low his receptions and targets were. I feel like that kind of boosted part of what Mackins was saying about the running game is still undecided. They have Stafford who loves to throw and is good at it. And Galladay was still productive over three quarterbacks. And if they have a their QB1 consistent throughout the year, that should be very beneficial for him. I Yeah, I honestly don't think we've seen Galladay's ceiling yet. I know 11 touchdowns is a lot, but the other thing I forgot to mention is the Lions are just a bad team. And that means they're going to be throwing the ball more. I and Maybe it's because we're like, you know, we watch a lot of NFC North ball, but... Matt Stafford seems like he's going for a fourth quarter comeback every other week. And he's like down two to three scores. So I think that, you know, is an additional point to to note there, even though I already won without that point. Huh. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, that is a good point though. Our, uh, our next player is someone who did not thrive under three separate quarterbacks. And that is Juju Smith Schuster the fourth-year wide receiver for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I, I'm i all in on him again this year. I've got him eighth in my wide receiver rankings. Andrew has him 20th, so way down the, the list there. And ECR is right in the middle, right around 12, so in that fringe wide receiver one range. But I'm going to make the case why he is going to be a locked and loaded wide receiver one for this season. So don't even think about bringing up last year because, like I mentioned, that needs to get thrown out the window with getting passes from Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph. They were two of the worst quarterbacks last season, and he was just not set up in, in a good position. And he got hurt, which certainly didn't help him. But let's remember his pedigree entering last season when he had a similar ranking among experts. Only Randy Moss and Josh Gordon, two pretty good players, had posted more receiving yards before the age of 23 in NFL history. He was just coming off of a season in which he posted 111 receptions for over 1,400 yards. So he's shown that he can do it. And last year was just such a shitstorm of a year for the Steelers that even if their passing goes up a little bit, he can benefit. And I mean, plus, did you see the the hype video that Big Ben posted with Juju yesterday? Like, oh boy, I'm all in. I'm back in. Let's go. Uh, There's definitely a hype train. And so I I get you can look away or from some of those unknowns. But the tough part is that was also Juju's first year kind of at the number one guy on the depth chart. And in those previous two years, he had Antonio Brown. Say what you want about him, but he was one of the best wide receivers in the league opposite Juju those two years. It took a lot of pressure, a lot of top corners away from Juju. So I think some people have that question. Can Juju actually, you know, compete against those top corners? I think he, he you know, can do that. But what this ranking comes down to for me is the value that I want to get him for based on what he did last season. I'm not investing second round draft capital on him if you think he's wide receiver eight on a potential bounce back, but I would be willing to invest fourth round draft capital knowing what he might do and what we've seen him do in the past. So wide receiver 20 seems more reasonable to me uh, than wide receiver eight. 
I, I mean, I get that. I know we talk about like these are rankings based on how we would draft them, but I don't. I know I don't need to spend a second round draft pick on him if I'm in the third round. I can wait until then and take him then instead of taking him in the middle of the second round. So I, I get your point there that yes, this is like ranking where it's kind of philosophical him, but <laughs> but it's I, I mean I I'm still taking him you know in a vacuum I'm taking him over some of these other guys. All right. Well, if I could, I'd pick the ECR as the winner here, because um, <laughs> I, I I'm giving the point to Sam though. Um, well, he's closer I, to the ECR, so I guess yeah, that. Well, makes yeah, that's that's, that's what I mean. Is yeah, I I I, I roll over there. Sam. I agree with Sam that uh, and last year was a very hard year to judge him on, but the year before that, I mean, crazy productive. He's got Big Ben back. He's still super young and a amazing athlete. I personally think eight's a little high, but I think Sam made the better point that that higher ranking is deserved in this case. I I think in, in, in Andrew, you mentioned this too. We're basically where we were at the beginning of last season, not knowing how he was going to perform without Antonio Brown and him sort of being the second fiddle. And you know, can he handle the number one? wide receiver role on the Steelers and they like I said they just didn't pass the ball enough to even give him a chance to succeed from a fantasy perspective. Yeah and, and I think that's fair because we talked about that last week kind of throwing out last season um for James Conner too. Obviously he's got yeah more injury risk I, I suppose but in any case. All right. So speaking of offenses that don't throw the ball a ton or, or at least don't want to throw the ball a ton. The next receiver is Tyler Lockett, who plays for the Seattle Seahawks. Andrew has him ranked 14th. I've got him ranked 10 spots lower at 24. So just on the wide receiver to fringe and ECR has him at 22. So closer to where I have. So I think based on the previous one, that means I already win this um, if Connor is sort of basing it off ECR. But Andrew, why don't you uh, go ahead and, and make your case? I scoff at your logic uh, on ECR, but this is a funny ranking because I, when I was looking at it again, 14 does seem high to me. And I'll say the entire tier for me of like wide receiver 13 to wide receiver 24, I think any of them has potential to be top 15. I just believe in Lockett more than others on this list because he's shown us more in his career. He has a connection with one of the best QBs in the league in Russell Wilson. So I think that connection is still more trusted than the younger DK Metcalf. He uh, Last season, Lockett had a higher yards per target and a higher catch percentage than Metcalf. And if Russell Wilson, who in interviews has said that they're going to throw more. He wants to do higher tempo because he knows they can do it in two minute drill and DK is the respected deep threat. I think that Lockett could easily see an uptick in targets. He had 110 last year that could easily get up to 125 with him. Uh, Russell Wilson, that is taking uh, what the defense gives them down the middle of the field. 
Okay, so I'll concede to you that, and I've said it a couple times, that I think this Seattle defense gets a little worse, so they might be actually forced to pass the ball a little bit. But this was a tale, last year was a tale of two halves for Lockett, and the second half was not good for him. So I'm going to, I'm taking a look here at Lockett splits after he had his 18 target game when people bought back in on him as a true wide receiver one. And he scored two of his eight touchdowns in the last seven games. We we saw a changing of the guard, which is what I expect to continue with Metcalf taking over as the wide receiver one. He had more than 55 receiving yards in just one of those final seven games and never reached double-digit double targets after eclipsing that mark in three games in the first nine weeks. He's always been one of the most efficient receivers, you know, sort of built off that Russell Wilson efficiency and I've never been one to bank on that efficiency with him or any other player, and I'm not going to this year either. Garner, we, we had a conversation off screen before we started recording about how you're keeping DK Metcalf. So you clearly like DK Metcalf over Tyler Lockett. Um, do you want to I keeping DK Metcalf in the 13th round? I think anyone would like that. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I am, but don't forget too, last year, my uh, top two wide receivers were DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. From <laughs> yeah, so I forgot <laughs> about that. Mostly. That's a good point. Because yeah. I tried uh, to trade for Tyler Lockett from you, but you wouldn't let well, it go. They, they both killed me the week they played Tampa because you started both of them. And it, and it really paid off. All right, so let's see here. I mean, what does the coin they, say? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you might need a coin for every one of these. I, I feel like I do here. Um, I think just again, based on argument, my my initial thought was more towards Mackins, but based off the argument, I'm going with Sam that. <laughs> I'm giving Sam the point here because I, I personally Sam's gonna have, be the I like Lockett yours, more. <laughs> I like Lockett more going into this, and Mac has had good points, but Sam pointed out that, and when I think about now, that decline throughout the year as Metcalf came into his own on the team, and you yeah. can only expect and yeah. hope that more of that's going to happen, and not that Lockett's going to do poorly, but he just won't have as many opportunities. Yeah, I mean, we I'll- saw. Metcalf's route tree expand drastically throughout the season, and I don't think that's going to stop this offseason or, or in 2020 either. I would I would concede, too, like Metcalf definitely has the higher upside, and if I'm following my juju logic, like I can probably move Lockett down in terms of where I want to draft him if people are avoiding him based on the last seven games. Yeah, I mean, I I don't remember off the top of my head if I have it this way, but I'll I'm definitely going to make sure that I have Metcalf over Lockett in my rankings because because what you talk about it, and I'm going to make a, a quick tangent here. Um, but Scott Barrett over at Fantasy Points released an article this week about how upside wins championships, and you're not looking for you shouldn't be looking for the guys that are going to get you 12 to 15 points a week. You want the guys who can be league winners, and I think Metcalf could potentially be that. I mean, he showed that with some of the games he had last year. Now, granted, Lockett 
had a couple of those games too. Like I said, he had 18 targets in one game for, for Pete's sake. And we don't see that from receivers that much, but I think Metcalf's got the opportunity to step in and, and be a game changer. So, all right, heading into our final two, I am up three to one in our debate. So I'm just going to have to take these last two to make it a tie, but let's go to Adam Thielen, who I've got ranked at 18. Andrew has at 26 and ECR is at 15. So ECR is actually higher than the both of us, but I've got him eight spots higher than Andrew. So for my case, I'm going to stick to what how good he's been historically. In 40 healthy games over the last three field, three seasons, Thielen ranks among wide receivers sixth in PPR points per game, sixth in yards per game, seventh in receptions per game, and ninth in yards per route run, which is just outstanding. The Vikings got rid of Stephon Diggs, so who's he going to be competing against for targets? Justin Jefferson, maybe BC Johnson, Blech. Tajay Sharp, Blech. we saw what he did in Tennessee. Um, it, it, you might think it, the Vikings are run first, but that defense got a bit worse this season. So like the Seahawks, they will likely be forced to pass the ball more often. Kirk Cousins has chemistry with Adam Thielen. And last season, he had some injury issues. But before that, we he had shown no signs of injury concerns as he had played in all 16 games the first five seasons of his career. You bring up some interesting points there, but hopefully I can tear down each and every one of them. <laughs> First off, I think Stefan Diggs leaving is worse for Thielen because they immediately draft Justin Jefferson, who's going to take targets away, and Jefferson profiles as a slot receiver, which takes a lot of those high-value targets away from where I think Thielen was lining up in the past. Plus, I think now defenses are going to key in on Thielen as the veteran on the wide receiver core way more than Jefferson in obvious passing situations. That proven deep threat of Diggs actually helped Thielen, and now it's no longer there. I also think that Thielen, you know, his best season was in twenty age 28. Now he's going to be 30, and he got injured last season. So I don't really see him getting back to form in any way. His 16-game pace last year when he was healthy was only 976 yards on 69 receptions. And I don't want to overinvest in this small possibility that he comes back to form. I'd rather not draft him and then have him be a bust. It, it, the way we have this formatted is kind of frustrating because you, you said in the middle of that that Justin Jefferson is going to be taking away slot targets. Like You think he's just going to come in and command the slot. So I, I don't know. I don't think I agree with that, but we'll let the judge decide. Son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> really? I, th I personally, I, I think it's like, I don't know why you would want to trap Thielen. I mean, overall, again, it's, Tough because Sam's just doing a good job of convincing me here. Because my initial thought is right with Mackins here of, you know, like it's getting older, the brand a new young guy doesn't have a deep threat digs to take away uh, pressure from him. But 
apparently, again, I didn't even realize this. As Sam pointed out, he's been historically good. I mean, Diggs is gone now. Defense is worse. They're going to have to pass more. He's overall been consistently healthy except for last year. Um, but I mean, with his... you mentioned that Thielen would be worse off without Diggs, but Diggs was doing just fine without Thielen. And yes, they're different receivers, but I think Cousins is just, just going to lock on to Thielen because he trusts him and is just going to keep going with him. But I rest my case. Yeah, no, I like I said, my my gut originally went with Mackins, but Sam convinced me more, so he gets this point. Oh, Ooh, great. Yeah. Well, Sorry, let's Mackins. see if I can make this respectable. It's on to the next one. Well, uh, speaking of Stefan Diggs, he is our last player debate, and you've got him ranked 16th. I've got him at 27th, and ECR has him at 25. So you are liking Diggs much more than Adam Thielen Diggs, the newest member of the Buffalo Bills with Josh Allen throwing him the ball. Uh, Andrew, let's see if you can wrap tonight up with a W. Thanks. So most of the talk we've heard around Diggs these past few years, and we've seen it uh, on the Vikings, is that he's one of the best wide receiver talents in the league. The statistics for him just hasn't translated to a dominant season. And the Bills traded a first-round pick for him for a reason. They're going to get him involved right away. This Bills offense needs more firepower, and Diggs has much more talent than the aging John Brown and Cole Beasley. I think they're going to move him all over the field. Josh Allen has the rocket arm to connect with him deep. And I think that that opportunity to come in and dominate, get those 125 targets that you like to see for a wide receiver one, someone who has that upside for, um, you know, top 12 status on this team is honestly the most straightforward situation of any player on the bills, in my opinion. Okay. That's a, a decent argument, I guess, but you talked about Josh Allen having a rocket arm and getting the ball to him. Um, did you know that Josh Allen is just not a good deep ball passer? Among 33 quarterbacks with at least 200 attempts last year, Allen ranked 30th in deep ball accuracy. That's about 15% accuracy on his deep ball passes. Uh, let's not forget that this team wants to be run first and this team can be run first because their defense is really good. They they added Zach Moss, which, again, shows that they they want to do that. Yes, the Vikings were a run-first team last year, and Dick succeeded, but Cousins is a much better passer than Allen. And for most of the season, while Thielen was out last year, Diggs had nobody he competed with for targets, and now he'll compete with John Brown, who was another deep target, mind you, Cole Beasley, who came on towards the end of the year, and Dawson Knox. I don't know about you guys, but I'm feeling another W. Garner, uh, you feeling the same way? I am not feeling the same way. Oh, damn. You do not get a, what is it, gentleman sweep him here? Um, no, I, I agree with Mackins <laughs> here. I think he personally. I'm actually surprised. Me, uh, so am I. <laughs> Yo, to this be fair, to be this to is be what fair, I felt best about one of to them. To be fair, I actually felt the best about the Thielen one, but the 
the thing with the deep ball accuracy is like he was throwing it to John Brown and Robert Foster down the field. Like this is Diggs is I think Garner's about to say this, but Diggs is a legitimate great deep ball catcher. And and I'll I'll concede that too, is he is one of, if not the best route runners in the league. Like he he's up there with with Keenan Allen, Devontae Adams as some of as two as some of the best pure route runners, but I, All right, now I want to hear uh, why well, Garner let Garner. me win. Yeah. Why did Garner let me win? <laughs> no, I mean, per, per, part of, I mean, pretty much what you guys were saying, but another big thing, too, that stuck out to me, which surprisingly, Sam's stats have been getting me most of the night, but just the fact that he said they traded a first-round pick for him for a reason. Like, they wanted him. They're going to use him. They gave up a first-round pick for him, like, they have plans to get him involved and utilize him to the best of their abilities. Yeah, they could have drafted like Justin Jefferson if they wanted to, but no, they they needed a receiver who's going to make an impact day one. And I'm glad you see it the same way, Garner. For only the second time tonight, again, I, I lost this battle, but I won the, won the war, came out, ahead four to two but this was fun i i like this uh we're gonna have to do some more rankings debates once we get closer to the season and, and these get a little bit more locked in what do you say i agree uh hopefully we don't argue on the the exact same guys so, i mean it will be fun to we'll argue sure on some of them like adam thielen is gonna come up again but <laughs> some of these other guys, obviously, you, you or honestly, I think you convinced me on some like Tyler Lockett and um, Juju. I can probably move closer to your rankings based on your arguments. Great. Well, that is going to do it for our episode tonight. Uh, again, please check out our information on the Fantasy Football Mental Health Initiative and support us in any way you can, whether it's spreading the information or, or donating a couple bucks, anything, anything will help. Um, but for Andrew at Andrew Mackins, producer Ryan at Garther, and for myself, I am at Sam Hoppin. This has been Pod After Touchdown Fantasy Football, and, and the kick is good. <laughs> <laughs>